Welcome to the Woodridge Baptist Church Podcast. For more information about what's happening in the life of our church, visit our website at www.woodridge.org. Enjoy the podcast. I hope you had an amazing week. We are actually starting a new series today, and we're going to be looking for the beginning of the year. We were focusing on reclaiming a deep and meaningful prayer life with the Lord, and now we're shifting to talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're calling the series Manifest, and part of that is because just like with your prayer life, wanted you to go into depths with the Lord that maybe you had never gone before in terms of your transparency and your honesty with, with God. We want to invite the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit of God who indwells his believers to accomplish things that only the Spirit can do in and for us. I was thinking about this. One of the themes in Scripture about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is our paraclete which means that the Holy Spirit is our helper. And that's part of what we're going to be talking about today to get this thing started. Have you ever had a time in your life where you've just needed help? Or am I the only one that's had a time in my life where I've needed help? I can remember, uh, as I think about this week, I remember uh, being in Mother Francis Hospital in Tyler, Texas, if we have any Tyler people that are here. That's where I was born. And I just remember being, uh, as a kid, uh, very sick. And I remember laying in critical care in Mother Francis Hospital and just being at a place in my life where I knew there was absolutely nothing that I could do to help myself. And I was thankful, not just for the doctors that were there to take care of me, but the nurses that were there to take care of me. And uh, full disclosure, my first crush was one of my nurses in critical care there in Mother Francis Hospital. And here I am all these years later. I remember that girl's name. Her name was Dee. You can't make this stuff up. Have you ever been at that place where you come to, so to speak, you kind of come to the end of yourself and you just say, I need help. Well, the good news, for those of you that have Jesus, you have the help who is already inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit who indwells you and who empowers you for everything that you need, for godliness and holiness. The power is there. But we do live with these two realities. Let me point them out. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Now hold that in mind while I read this one. In Ephesians chapter four, verses 22 to 24, it says this. It says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So here you have two verses. On the one hand, it says, if you're in Christ, you are a new creation. In Ephesians chapter four, verses 22 to 24 though, it says to put off your old self. How does that work? If I have this new creation that I am, it seems like it just, I am this new creation. But Paul is also saying in chapter four of Ephesians, you have to put this new creation on in you. I think the answer to this tension between these two verses is found in the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the power component of the proper working of your new nature. Did everybody hear what I just said? I said the Holy Spirit is the power component of the proper working of your new nature. You have a new nature in Christ, but you have the Holy Spirit that empowers that nature that is already inside of you. For some of you, for your spiritual life, it is not about whether or not you have power, it's whether or not you have activated power in your life. 
So to speak, you have taken the cord and you have disconnected it from the wall and you're wondering why it is that you walk around a powerless and ineffective Christian. And the answer is it's not the source, it's the connection. In John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus was talking to the disciples. You can imagine, imagine walking with Jesus for those several years of his ministry. Do you think that that would have been cool to see? Do you think it would have been amazing to watch the miracles be performed? And every time he performs a new miracle, you go, how did he do that? Because that's basically the way that the disciples were working. And then he comes to a point with them. He says, not too long, I'm going to be going away. How, do you, how would you feel? Uh, my guess is I mean, if, that's probably not something that I would have wanted. In fact, I would have found great comfort in Jesus saying, I'm not going to be going anywhere because I'm just going to be walking around with you knuckleheads. But that's not what he said. There's a coming day where I'm not physically going to be present with you. But he gives this promise in John chapter 14, verse 16. He said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Did you catch that? I'm going to ask the Father and he's going to give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Now the word there for another, just so you know, it means one of the same kind. So when you think about one of the same kind, you might be thinking, well, hold on, because we have you with us and there's not going to be anybody that's better than you to be with us and for us. That would be like taking in baseball, imagine that you have a hitter that's gonna be hitting 60 something home runs every year. They're gonna have an on base percentage of like over 60 every year. And they say, and I'm going to replace them with somebody that's going to hit five home runs and is going to have about a 100 batting average. You're probably sitting there going, that's not a good trade. Is that fair? Does anybody else other than me watch baseball? (laughs) You wouldn't want the trade. But Jesus is trying to give this word to them. He says, I'm going to give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. So this is the Holy Spirit. And so the spirit who indwells you, for those of you that are, that are believers in Jesus, he says you have the same power at work in you as Jesus, who has the same good in mind for you, just like Jesus did. He's going to indwell you. Notice that he uses the word advocate or a helper. It means one that comes alongside you to assist you in this journey that you're on. So in John, the Holy Spirit This theme in the Gospel of John, the Holy Spirit who has an intellect, he has emotions, he has a will, and what that means, for those of you that are followers of Jesus, this means that there's another source of thinking that is inside of you, there's another source of feeling that is inside of you, and there's another source of willing that is inside of you. That's what he's trying to say. As he indwells you, all of that is inside of you. So the help that the Holy Spirit gives is to enable or to empower the new nature to manifest itself in your life. Probably the way that you're going to live though is with this constant friction and tension between an old way of living and a new way of living. Is that fair? Have you ever felt that in your life? Have you ever noticed that a lot of the struggles that you have right now, even as a believer and a follower in Jesus, aren't that different from the ones that you had before? For some of you, you struggle with anger. To this day, you probably still have to wrestle with anger. For some of you, you struggle with gossip. 
And to this day, you still struggle in a moment with having to say, am I going to gossip about this person or am I going to shut my yap, right? We all get put into these situations where that, so to speak, the the lesser angel in us is kind of cropping its head up. And in those moments, this is the thing, it is not about your power to act if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's are you going to yield to the power that is inside of you to follow him and to do what he's telling you to do? That's what John is trying to say. Look at John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39. It says, on the last and the greatest day of of the festival, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, pay attention, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he meant the Spirit as the Holy Spirit, whom those who believe in him were later to receive. And up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Here's what he's saying. There's a new spiritual reality that was placed in you when you put yourself in Christ. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, is what makes the water flow. Have you ever been to water that does not flow? Because I have. Some years ago, I was a camp counselor at Sky Ranch. Do you have any Sky Ranch people out there today? My daughter's actually going to work at Pine Cove this summer. That's fine. But I remember getting out. Everything at Sky Ranch was Sky something, Sky Lake, you know? Even the blob that was on the lake was the Sky blob. Everything was Sky. And I remember I had a little bit of a break, and I was going out onto Sky Lake with a friend of mine named James. And James and I jumped in a canoe and we were just kind of going across the lake. And then we go to a place that, well, I guess people had not been for a long time because by the time we got to it out in a a crevice, almost like a stream, there was a skin on top of that water that looked like it was about that thick. That was was unbroken water. Do y'all know what I'm talking about just yet? It had got, nobody had been there. It was absolute, well, James and I were there then. James was massive. He was six foot five. He was like 270 pounds. He played, he ended up playing uh, football in college. And there's me and James, you know, just going down this, uh, we get to the water and I was like, do you want to keep going? Because this doesn't look great. And it's kind of narrow there. And he's like, oh yeah. I was like, let's go. And so off we go. We're paddling down. We're literally breaking the water as we go. There was no flow of water. And as a result, what we were running into had absolutely stagnated. I also found out that my huge friend James was deathly afraid of spiders because as we continued down, there was a tree that had fallen over. And as we got nearer to it, we were having to duck down to go underneath it like this. And the spider drops down on my buddy James. And here's what he does. 6'5", 270, something like that. Takes the paddle and snaps it over the the tree that had fallen over. Then I'm stuck with the only paddle to get us out of there. But it was the water. And I remember looking at the water and saying, there was nothing that was flowing here. And the result of no flow was stagnation. Spiritually speaking, I'm giving you this example for a reason. Because for some of you, you need the flow of the Holy Spirit to open back up in your life. Because spiritually, you just come to a stagnant place. The Holy Spirit, Jesus is trying to tell you this morning, is the one that has the power to make the water flow. So if we're not producing fruit, the issue is not about our power or our ability. We are already empowered. Look at John chapter 14, verse 17. It says, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him 
because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. Christian, it's already there. So what we have to do is not wonder about whether or not we have the ability, literally in a moment, to draw on the strength of God for a decision that we have to make. That's already there. The catch for us is having the yieldedness to God to tap into the Holy Spirit that is already there. You know what I'm talking about, my friends. In a moment where you're made angry, you have to respond in one of two ways. You can respond to what might be fit for your old self or you can yield to the the spirit and his power to take control over you in a situation. That's what yieldedness looks like. He lives with you and he will be in you. So what that means is for some of us, we have to be more active in our spiritual life and development in engaging the Holy Spirit. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter five, verse 18. You might recognize this verse. Do not get drunk with wine. That leads to wild living. All God's people said. It says instead, (laughs) instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, what is he saying here? You have to be full of the Holy Spirit. He uses the image of drunkenness to the church in Ephesus for a reason. It's because apparently some of them like to get drunk. So he's like, okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a common practice from you good people as I write you this letter. Not only do you like to drink wine, you like to drink a lot of it. So when you go to that, here's what that means. You are intoxicated by the wine that you are taking into your body. Have you ever seen a drunk before? Am I the only one? (laughs) Have you ever seen a drunk? I mean, think about it. Something else, namely alcohol, is dictating their actions once they give themselves to it. Once they give themselves to it. However, once the drinking stops, they either sober up or they're no longer filled with alcohol, nor are they controlled by what they were filling themselves with. This is why Paul gives this example. And so here's a point of fact. I'm gonna gonna say something that's obvious, but I think it's kind of important. You don't get drunk by looking at a bottle of proper number 12. Or pick a beer, I don't care. Nobody in this room, nobody in the world has ever gotten drunk by looking at a bottle of alcohol. They have always gotten drunk by drinking, right? Now think about this. So for the Holy Spirit to have control over your life, you have to come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So to stay under the control of the Holy Spirit, you have to keep drinking the Holy Spirit. You just keep taking the Spirit in. That's that's why Paul gives this picture to us about drinking alcohol. You keep pouring it in, it keeps having that effect. You kill the source of it, you chop off the effect. But did you know it's not just true with alcohol? Did you know that it is also true of the Holy Spirit in your life? You keep taking it in, you keep being filled with the Spirit of God, but the second that you cut off the source, you cut off the effect of the source. That's why Paul gives the example that he does. And here's the result. If you look at Galatians chapter five, verse 16, Paul would say to the church in Galatia, he says, so I say then walk by or in the spirit, walk by the spirit or walk in the spirit. He says, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of your flesh. 
Now, I want to be really clear here. It does not say you will not have desires of the flesh. It doesn't say that. You will. So will I. So will I. And what your desires of the flesh are might be very different from what mine are. It just means that I got to struggle with my own. What he said in Galatians 5.16 is that you will not carry them out. You'll have them, but you won't carry them out. When? When you walk by or in the Spirit. So, moment of temptation comes up. Choice comes to you. Am I going to follow and literally call out for the help? This is the paraclete. The Holy Spirit is the helper. And literally in a moment's notice, you can call out to the Holy Spirit and say, I need help. I need help. And that, that, in that moment, that is you recognizing, I can't stand up to this on my own. It beats me every time. I can't do it. I can call out to one, though, that can beat it for me. That's literally in a moment. You can do that. And you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. That means that you give him control. That means that you follow his lead. That means that you allow his influence. And here's how you do it. I mean, it's one thing when you say, be filled with the Spirit. But here's how you do it. A couple of things. I invite you to write this down. One, in your life, make sure that you're, com you're committed to prayer in your life. Pray ceaselessly. Literally, it's another way of saying, don't break your communion and fellowship with God. Be talking with God nonstop. Just keep talking. Whatever it is that you need to lay before the Lord, lay it before the Lord. It could be a praise. It could be a word of gratitude. It could be a sin that you're struggling with. It could be a burden that you bear. Go to the Lord with it. Keep that line of communication open with God and unbroken with God. Commit yourself to prayer. There has to be a place and a time where you can talk to the Lord and then be quiet enough to listen because God might actually want to say something to you. Maybe. So be committed to that. Here's the second way to be constantly filled with the Spirit is you're committed to the Word. You're committed to the Word of God. I love what the Psalms says. I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's your why. I hide it in my heart. Why? Because it is a resource for me to draw on that I might not sin against you. I might not offend you. So be committed to the Word. Here's why. The Word of God gives you instruction on how to live, and the Spirit of God gives you the power to do it. The Word of God gives you the instruction on how to live, and the Spirit of God is what gives you the power to actually do it. So the Spirit of God and the Word of God work in cooperation with each other. We need both. We need both. So we commit ourselves to prayer, we commit ourselves to the Word, and we commit ourselves to obeying it. We commit ourselves to following it. I mean, how much good is advice if you're actually not going to listen to it, <laughs> right? Here's the way that you should go. Eh, I don't know. And right, Wendy and I were talking about this because we were laughing, you know, especially when the girls were really little. Parents, you'll understand this. There are times when you would say, hey, look, this is what you need to do. And maybe even say it 100, 150, 200 times. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And then somebody else walks up. And they're like, you know, I think you need to do this. And they go, that makes sense. And you're like, I, I, come on. <laughs> Am I the only one that's had that moment? With You know what I'm talking about. 
What good is the advice that is given to you by God if you're not intending to utilize it? We have to have ears that are listening. Like I said, when he talks about the Holy Spirit that comes and indwells you, he has the same mind, same will, same desire for you. Listen to it. Listen to it. Because what it will do, the Holy Spirit will compete with the other voices that are in your head saying there's another way to go. Don't listen to those. So be committed to prayer, be committed to the word, and be committed to following it. Think about what James says in James 1.22. It says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. And here's why. I think you've already seen it. It's because the moment that you walk on your own, you are canceling the work and the power of Holy Spirit in your life. You're chopping the source off. And that's why for some of you, maybe you say, I've been a follower of Jesus, I've been a believer in Jesus, might be a better way of saying it, for 25 years. But then you take a really hard look and you're not much further along in your walk with Jesus than you were 25 years ago. Maybe something that we need to consider this morning is we haven't had a fervent prayer life with God, we haven't been committed to the Word of God in terms of its instruction, and we haven't been committed to following the word of God. And, the, the, and basically the, 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 the impact of that in your life is a disconnection with God and his Holy Spirit. So for those of you that gave yourself to Jesus, you have every bit of power that you need for godliness. It's already there. The question this morning is just whether or not you wanna tap into it because his presence is manifest. His presence is here. Maybe you're here this morning though because a lot of what I've been talking about has been to believers. And so there's a challenge for believers. But there's also a challenge for those of you that have come in today and you haven't given your life to Christ. There's something that I want you to know, something that I came to grips with a number of years ago. It's a really beautiful story. Scripture says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I know, at least for me, I know that there are times where God has felt somewhat distant from me. Maybe you can say the same for yourself. But one of the things that I always go back to is that scripture right there. So that even if I'm going through maybe a dark valley, maybe I'm going through a dark night of the soul, I can always go back to that and say, how does God look at me? And the answer is, he looks at you in such a way that he said he would die for you. That's a lot of love. And when I think about somebody that would do that for me, I cannot think of another good that they would withhold from me either. And this is what God wants. What God wants is for us to first just recognize our need for him. Because this is the great illusion of sin, is that you can strike out on your own, you can forge your own destiny, and you can live a life completely independent of God. That is the illusion that sin gives you. But the gospel says this, the gospel says that while we were yet like that, he was still saying, I'm willing to die for you. That's an amazing message of grace today. And so I stand up here, not because I earned my relationship with God, I didn't. It's that while I was yet a sinner, he died for me. At that point, it was just my response for the work that he had already done. So I wasn't saved by 
As Titus says, not saved by works of righteousness done, but I was saved by the mercy and grace of God. That is what we need, and that is what he's offering you today. We hope you have enjoyed the podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.woodridge.org.